0: Welcome into to the 8th episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you this evening on February 28th, 2018, welcoming listeners into the 8th episode of Will's 5th Quarter Special. I'm here this evening with my guest co-host Blake Hoth. Welcome to the show, boy. Thanks Pleasure for having here.
1: me. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: We are going to touch on various key subjects, starting with a Illinois State men's basketball pre-arch madness special segment. As last week, I had the pleasure to speak with ISU head coach Dan Moeller about what we can look forward to seeing with the Redbirds as they enter the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament Friday night at the Scott Trade Center in St. Louis, Missouri, as the third seed team this season. The Chicago Bulls' second half of their 2018 season begins with a four-game losing streak. Is this the team going in tank mode with the sights on the NBA draft? The 2018 spring training season begins with injury plagues for the Chicago White Sox, as 2017 first-round pick Jake Berger is out for the year with an Achilles injury. Does this... How does this affect them moving forward? What does the loss to the Chicago Cubs in Mesa Tuesday say about the future of the White Sox rebuild? The St. Louis Cardinals made quite an amount of offseason moves. How could this affect their chances to compete with the rest of the NL Central in 2018? We will also keep you up to date on the newest developments in the NFL offseason for the Chicago Bears. And the show will close out with the original fun segment of Will's Sports Movie Moment. Last Friday, I had the opportunity to speak with a man that has not just honored Illinois State University as a basketball player, but as a head coach leading a young Redbird team this 2017-2018 season to success with their sights on the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament once again. I had the privilege to speak with ISU head coach Dan Muller about his expectations and hopes for the Redbirds heading into Arch Madness and moving forward.
2: I will.
3: Hey, coach. Thanks for taking time to uh, to speak with me for my podcast. I really appreciate it. No problem. Okay, so, Coach, you guys are getting prepared for another Missouri Valley Conference tournament, and you guys have a very tough opponent coming up next to finish your regular season. So my first question with you will be, could the matchup against Loyola on the road be a test to what you guys prepare for with the Missouri Valley Conference Arch Madness tournament?
2: Yeah, I think it's a test. I mean, any time you play the best team in the league, getting ready to go into the tournament, it's going to test your team. I don't know if there's going to be a direct correlation whether we win or lose, you know, with how we play there compared to how we play in St. Louis, different environment, different emotions. Um, But every team wants to be playing their best basketball going down to St. Louis. My teams have been pretty good about that. And I do think it gives you confidence going into the tournament. So it's a huge test. Uh, They're really good. There's a reason they've won the league already. But uh, we're finally kind of healthy for uh, the first time in a few weeks. So I'm inter- interested to see how we do.
3: And you were just touching on the uh, injury, uh, finally becoming healthy there. Phil Fain, last game, played very well for the Redbirds. Him and Keyshot Evans, two of the three top scorers. So just a recap for me there what that was like to have back in the lineup in the overtime win uh, the other night.
2: It was great. <laughs> Not sure we would have won without him we pulled out of the Northern Iowa win without Phil um, and Taylor. Um, you know Phil's probably 70% right now with his ankle, and then he got a, He's throwing up all day, and he's he, he's he's not as sick today, but his ankle's not 100%. And it won't be on. It won't be tomorrow. Flash on Saturday. I, I am hopeful that he's close to 100% by by the tournament next week. But we need all of our all of our guys, you know, healthy. And not just healthy, well, you know, healthy and uh, confident with a rhythm. You know, when you miss a week and a half of practice, you're not going to play as well. Um, That's just why you practice. But uh, another couple days of practice, and I think Phil will look even better tomorrow and then going down to St. Louis.
3: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Coach. And you were touching on it right there the time that they're missing. But something I've seen and a lot of Redbird fans are able to see with your team since you came to – coach at the helm of the Redbirds in 2012, your team plays with good chemistry, and something I've known that you always like to feature with your teams is solid defense, so just touch on that with me going into the Arch previewing preview with Loyola, how do you guys plan to continue that defensive approach?
2: It's the key. Um, I, I, I'm a firm believer that it's the best chance to have sustainable success. Um, you know, we had a stretch, we won four in a row when we were healthy and and had guys with legitimate practice time you know for the first time all year really and we were really guarding I mean we in that four game stretch teams were shooting about 38 percent from the field and then Keyshawn went down and then Phil went down and, and our defense got worse <laughs> I mean that's because we lost some of our better players and they were healthy but we guarded again against Drake and um, for us to win tomorrow in, at Loyola or win three games in St. Louis, we got to guard. We have to guard. And it took a while for this team to understand that. I don't think we quite still aren't as invested as we were last year with our team on the defensive end, but, but we're better. And um, we can still get better this last week. So we want to play hard with great chemistry at all times, but I think our team does understand for us to win like we want to win. We've got to play defense, and we've got to rebound too.
3: Yeah, and I think you were just touching on it right there last season. I mean, going into one of the big things we wanted to cover with you is, you know, a preview of the Arch Madness. You know, a lot of Redbird fans and listeners are excited to see what the Redbird men's team can do this year. And you guys lost five of your top eight stars last year, but are featuring Sal for the future of the Redbirds and Taylor Berninga, Malik Yarbrough, and uh, Matt Hine. So just tell me what you're looking forward to most about this year's Arch Madness.
2: Well, you said it. We lost five of our top six scores um, off last year's team, Um, had a bunch of injuries, had a whole bunch of stuff to deal with. So this team has faced a lot of adversity, which is good, and yet this will be the first time playing in Arch Madness um, or playing any kind of real minutes for everybody but three guys. I mean, really, Keyshawn, Phil, and David. And Madison got a couple minutes, but really Keyshawn, Phil, and David are the only guys who played in all three games last year, played real minutes. And so uh, it's a new experience. And anytime you're going down there with a the, with the new group, uh, the, your mindset and mentality is so critical. And that's one of the reasons we played so well down there last year is we had experienced guys. So that's a big challenge in addition to getting your team ready to play. Um, but it's, as I, I keep saying, it's exciting. i got a great group to coach. Um, I wish we were healthy, healthier all year because I, I would love to see where we would have been. Um, but we can't change that. But if we can stay healthy this next week and a half, play good game at Loyola and then go down there and and play with the right mindset obviously we have a great chance to win three games
3: yeah I could not agree with you there more coach and just something really important I think I should touch on you were in your time with the Redbirds at Arch Madness in 1995 the freshman player of the year and it's just really interesting when you look at this young team you see a lot of coaches that come into a program and do just incredibly well with their team showing their experience as a young player and veteran during their playing time and bringing that to their team. So, you know, with the younger Redbird team, and you touched on it, it's a lot of excitement going into Arch Madness. How could your experience winning that in 1995 help your younger team to do the best they can next week?
2: You know, I think any kind of shared experience can help when you're a coach. And it's not just my experience down there. You know, Brian Reese on my staff won ACC championships and won a national championship. Uh, Penny Collins, uh, won championships at Belmont and then as a coach the last couple of years at East Tennessee state, um, I've got guys who can share those experiences and, you know, try to give your team confidence and, uh, what to expect. And then we've got a couple guys with experience in it, but in the end, uh, when that ball tips up, it's all about those guys on that court. You know, you got to get them ready, but they got to be able to handle the pressure. Um, they've got to be able to play through adversity. Uh, they've got to be consistent over three days. Um, but if you can, uh, one thing I always do share with them, there's no more fun in basketball. Well, I say that there's not much more fun in basketball than winning in St. Louis. Um, it, it's just a, a, a heck of a weekend if you can go down there and win. So hopefully we can experience that.
3: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more there, coach. A lot of Redbird fans and as well as the listeners here on Will fifth Court special, we're excited to see what you guys can do. So just. Something I want to close with with you here this afternoon, one of the most important things that I think a lot of fans are looking forward to is when you see the team at Arch Madness, it could show signs of what more you can look forward to the following season. The Redbirds are having a young, solid culture being featured. We're seeing Elijah Clarence emerging, Taylor Berningo, one of your solid recruits this year. That's proved to play pretty well for the Redbirds. So just what are you hoping fans to look forward to most after Arch Madness for next season?
2: Well, you know, obviously our our, our main focus is this game and this team and this tournament, Um, but I can look forward also. And we've got two guys sitting out um, that have been practicing with us for for this semester to add to this team, plus two guys that we've signed already, two big guys. And um, I will be uh, very disappointed if next year's team is not one of the best teams to ever play at Illinois State, just flat out. That's what I think we, we can be. Um, how we finish this year, I think, can have a little bit of an impact on that. You know, how tough are we? How how, how much uh, confidence and swagger can we show in pressure situations? Uh, what other experiences can we gain and learn from you know, finishing this year out? So um, next year's team, obviously we'll, we'll worry about that after this year's over. But take a step back for a second for me. I'm uh, very, very excited about the group. And, again, they're a great group to coach, and that's the best part about this team.
3: Well, I want to thank you again for speaking with me on Will's Fifth Core Special. We're excited to see what your team can do, not just at Loyal in Chicago, Illinois, but Arch Madness. I think your team will do a lot of good things. So, Coach Dan Moore, I want to thank you for taking time to speak with me. You
1: got it. No problem. I think uh, it's, I'm really interested to see what Dan has to say about this this weekend. It should be a fun time in St. Louis, you know, playing in March Madness. You never know what can happen. I choose a three seed and in last year we had Wichita State. That was our biggest competition. This year we have some other competition because we've had a lot of seniors that have moved on or transferred like Mikhail McIntosh, but I think this weekend, it's really going to be a test to see how the newcomers in this team, as Elijah Clarence or William Tinsley, can can do in March Madness, their first time in it. Couldn't agree with you
0: more, Blake. And the Illinois State Redbirds open Missouri Valley Conference tournament play this Friday night. As we mentioned, the third seed. They'll be taking on the Indiana State Sycamores. That'll be an 8:30 tip-off Friday at the Scott Trade Center. Now going into the professional sports action, Blake, we're going to start with the Chicago Bulls here. Not what the Bulls are looking for right out of the gate in the second half. They had a lot of positive signs, and uh, they also had two players in the Rising Stars Challenge, Larry Markin and Chris Dunn. But just touching on it briefly here, their last loss was Tuesday night on the road against the Charlotte Hornets. They lost 118-103 after, you know, that's, that's the fourth game, uh, you know, a four-game losing streak for the Bulls. Not what you want even with a rebuild. So just to open up the first question here, how
1: does this four-game losing streak show the possible direction of the Bulls' rebuild in year one? Well, you know, the Bulls made a lot of offseason trades, and they made some trades earlier on in the season that really completely rebuilt this whole Bulls squad. I mean, you look a couple of years ago, they had Derrick Rose, and now they have Dunn, who is a completely different guard than Derrick Rose was back in his prime. It, the thing is, is I think this year it's going to be a rebuilding year. you got Valentine, who can we saw him at uh, Michigan State when he was in college, he can run the point, he can kind of do some stuff on the inside, so... I think this year it's really going to be a test to what this young squad can do to kind of build momentum into next season, because they're not going to make the playoffs this year. They're in the rebuilding phase. What They need to get some bigger pieces in this offseason, what they can do uh, heading into next year. I think they can build momentum and really build team chemistry this year. And you just took it right the words right yeah. out of my mouth there, Blake. The Bulls have a lot
0: of building blocks here. I've seen a lot of analysts throughout the year, you know, Chuck Sworsky a lot of the Bulls, play-by-play, and uh, just the team, they've been talking a lot about a core for the Bulls' future. Now, I've seen it throughout the whole year. Rebuild takes time. We've seen that with the Cubs, the White Sox now, and now the Bulls. I think four key players we're going to see continue to develop in that course. Chris Dunn, Markkanen, Zach Levine, he's played incredibly well after that ACL injury. Very impressive. And Denzel Valentine. So, Um, How does this show the
1: Bulls' bright future with some of these pieces like you were touching on there? Well, I mean, you got Levine who can jump out the roof. The guy's got the ability to run up and down the court like no other. But the thing is, is I think personally, this is my personal opinion, I think the Bulls need to make some front office changes. Recently, they've made some moves that are head-scratching moves. It's kind of like, why are we doing this? And the players that we received back or the Bulls received back is kind of – interesting to say the least i mean we traded jimmy butler they traded jimmy butler and it's kind of like well why did we trade jimmy butler when he could have been the centerpiece for this next year's team that could be pretty decent but uh it's really i think it, where it starts is the front office and it, there needs to be some changes this offseason a new gm would be nice uh, a new president maybe I, I don't know what it needs to happen but something needs to happen in the front office
0: and i do know through the grapevine like we have a good old friend up there in. uh Near Outgrow Village, Mr. Steve Rizal working for the Bulls. So I think, and this is just a shout-out to him. I know he's told me his dream of being in the front office. So I think the Bulls might need to give him a call. Let's get Mr. Steve Rizal in that hey, Bulls front office for that rebuild. Why not? I mean, he knows how to run a fantasy team. Why couldn't he exactly. can't really go to Bulls? Why not? So you heard it first here on Will's Fifth Court <laughs> Special. Bulls front office, go call Steve Rizal. Hey, call him up. Now we're going to go into the off-season update. Blake, we just heard some recent reports this afternoon right out of the Chicago Bears. They're getting started early this off-season. They have officially released two outside linebackers. That would be Pernell McPhee, who was originally signed to a five-year deal a few years ago, and Willie Young, along with veteran safety Quentin Demps. The team has also announced their plans to cut backup QB Mike Glennon. Not a big story there, as we've seen what the Bears have wanted to feature with Mitch Trubisky. And just I want you to touch on it with me briefly here. How do you feel they can go in a positive direction? I mean, they're letting some veterans go. A lot of fans are skeptical about what they're
1: trying to do, maybe getting younger and getting more veterans. What do you think? Well, personally, I think in all three sports, baseball, basketball, and football, Chicago is in rebuild mode besides the Chicago Cubs. Obviously, they have a strong team. But you look at the White Sox, they're in rebuild mode. You look at the Chicago Bulls, they're in rebuild mode. The Bears, they just hired a brand-new head coach, and they have a – Guys in his second year now in the season, just finishing recapping his rookie year quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. I think they're in a, kind of a rebuild too. They're going to send their centerpiece is going to be Mitch Trubisky, and then they're going to build around him. And I think that's that's the biggest factor is what can Trubisky do in the pocket this next year uh, with a new head coach on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think Ryan Pace has done an incredible job the last few years when he came into the Chicago Bears front office. A lot of fans are skeptical about it, and I think we're hopefully going to see more positive signs moving forward this off season. And there's a big bright spot for Bears fans though right now, a little bit of a tear jerker. I know personally it was not easy for me to hear this afternoon. Chicago Bears' 2018 second-round pick, Matt Forte, announced his retirement after 10 years in the NFL. He spent his first eight seasons as a Chicago Bear, basically cementing himself in the Bears Hall of Fame alongside Gale Sayers and Walter Payton, and then his last two years with the New York Jets. So I know you're a Packers fan, Blake, so you've seen a lot of Matt Forte in the last decade or so. What does it feel like next year, not
1: knowing that Matt Forte will be with us? It's almost like a weight is lifted off my shoulders. because <laughs> oh, every wow. Time okay. <laughs> if Forte broke through our defensive line, the Green Bay Packers, I just wanted to take my drink that was in my hand and throw it off the TV because I was so frustrated. <laughs> but it's going to be a huge – but I think the Chicago Bears this offseason are going to pick up uh, somebody back there being running back this year. So keep your eyes peeled.
0: Yeah, you heard it right there. Blake's uh, making those moves, making those calls for Chicago Bears front office there. And – we're going to keep you guys posted on any Chicago Bears NFL offseason updates as it just begun. Still a lot to come with free agency in the draft. We at Will Smith Quarter Special will continue to keep you posted through the action. Now going into the Chicago White Sox and Cardinals Spring Training. Blake, we're going to start with the White Sox a little closer to home for me. They won this afternoon over the Texas Rangers 5-4, to four, a good bounce back from the first spring training crosstown yesterday when they fell to the Cubs 6-5. to five. Jose Abreu for the White Sox is going to be his first home run of the spring today, but we're going to have to hit the nail in the coffin here, as they like to say. Um, Chicago White Sox 2017 first-round pick earlier this week against the Oakland Athletics. That was Jake Berger from Missouri State. He ruptured a left Achilles tendon against Oakland earlier this week as he attempted to run out of ground ball in the bottom of the third inning. Reports have said in the last few days he will undergo a season-ending surgery tomorrow in Chicago. So, Blake, how much of an effect can this injury have
1: not just on Jake Berger's future, but the future of the White Sox. When you're looking at Jake Berger, you know, he played, this is his rookie season, he played for Missouri State, uh, you know, as we're located in Illinois State University. He came to ISU and played third base for the Bears-Missouri State, and he was phenomenal. Impressive hitter. The man can move like no other, and he had to swing the stick like no other, too. So, I mean, looking at the way he progressed in college from his freshman to senior season, to now his rookie ball as he is injured, I think he's gonna progress like he did in college. He's gonna, this year's kinda like a bounce back year. This year, what this injury will do, it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of a good thing because the White Sox don't really need him this year in a way and he can take this so-called off season as he's heard, it'll be an off season now, um, to rebuild his body into to the MLB player that he needs to be. He needs to lose a little bit of weight Which this injury will make him, it will force him to lose over the weight, put on some more muscle mass, and just get in the cage and swing the stick, and that's all you got to do. And I think this is kind of a good thing for him. But as far as the Chicago White Sox, they're looking for a third baseman. And they might go pick one up. And, you know, right now it's offseason, spring training time, but you might pick one up at third base. But uh, I think in the next couple of years, keep your eyes peeled, he'll be at third base, the White Sox.
0: And I think you were just touching on it. There's a lot of players that a lot of teams can pick up right now. now. It's something we touched on a few weeks ago, and I just want to get your take on it. What do you think of this new free agent minicamp? I know as a Cardinals fan and a White Sox fan
1: myself, we're both pretty curious about that. So what's your take on this new development? Well, it's, it, it's weird. This offseason has been probably one of the weirdest in Major League Baseball, in my opinion, because you've had guys that have signed just days before spring training. You look at Hugh Darvis with the Chicago Cubs. He just signed like three days before they went to spring training. And one of my former Cardinal pitchers, Lance Lynn, he's still a free agent. And it's kind of like, oh, are you going to sign or what do you, what do you do? Yeah. You it's really out there. Season? Yeah. So it's like uh, the spring training or this spring, this off season is kind of a head scratcher and kind of like, Ooh, some of these guys, where are you going to, where's your landing spot? Where are you going to go? So, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to tell, but this off season has been a real head scratcher. I think it's almost like roulette. Cause I know personally, we're both getting ready for fancy baseball. It's a little side
0: note there. Fans, Uh, put it on the board. Yes. My fantasy baseball is getting ready, but um, it's almost curious like that. I mean, it's. You're seeing great players out there like Jake Arrieta. That's a real shock to me. I I know the Phillies, they were just talking in last week, but I I think I'm going to make a prediction here with the White Sox just since we're here on it right now. I think Mike Moustakis, in a week or two, a two-year, $25 million deal with a third-year option to the White Sox. They're going to get that bat in there and guarantee right field. You heard it here first. You heard
1: it from Will's fifth quarter first. But, I mean, you look at players and – it's kind of thing is like you know, Jake Ari- Jake arietta has got to be sweating because he doesn't have a team. He doesn't have a deal. He doesn't have money coming in, no income. And then you got teams are like, well, we want a pitcher, but we're not trying to pay $200 million to get yeah, a Yeah, that's a lot of money for an older they- pitcher, yeah. yeah. It's kind of stuck in a rut for both teams, so it's,
0: it's kind of hard right now. Just a closing question here, Blake, too, on the White Sox. We're looking at future building blocks in this rebuild. Now, it's been impressive. I mean, I mean as a Cardinals fan, you could probably give a lot of credit to Rick Hahn when he's doing his first rebuild, which just – Year one of the rebuild was just incredible. I mean, he's able to mount just not trades with these veterans we had, you know, clearing the board of sale. Even relievers like Anthony Swarzak and Ryan Cordell, he's doing pretty well from that deal. So just credit to Rick Hahn. And, you know, you see building blocks like Yohan Moncada, Timmy Anderson, a personal favorite of mine, flourishing in the majors. How can the large amount of prospect talent
1: continuing to develop at this point for the Southsiders? What do you think? Well, it's kind of like you're – so let's let's take this back to like T-Ball. So if you're seven years old and you're playing against kids that are 11 or 12, how good does that make you? It makes you a lot stronger, right? Exactly. So for the White Sox, it's kind of like they're playing that older age because they're young players. They're playing those veterans. It's only going to make them a lot stronger. So if you look out the next three, four years, it won't be the next two years they'll be good. Three, four years from now, ho oh, ho, Chicago, the South. Cubs South's might need to be wild. watched out. In the That's exactly right. It, the White Sox are going to have a good team in about four years. As Blake mentioned, the Chicago White Sox are continuing to develop
0: a solid core in the early stages of year two of their rebuild on the South Side. They are in Arizona facing the Cincinnati Reds on the road tomorrow. That will be a 2.05 tip off, but it will be a split squad as they also have another matchup at 1.05 p.m. Now, going into Blake's bread and butter in baseball, <laughs> it's the St. Louis Cardinals being featured for the first time on Will's fifth quarter special. Good deny of the Cubs in there on Ooh, a side note. Love that. And the Cardinals, Blake, they won this afternoon as well against the Baltimore Orioles, 10-9, a very close victory for the Cardinals there. So we're going to go into it right now. They're also featuring key young players. Now, they have a lot of good veterans on that team, a really good play there. But Alex Reyes and Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung's a Redbird alumnus, always good to see a Redbird alumnus playing well in professional sports. And Alex Reyes, you know, he had that tough injury last year, took him out for the year, a very exciting young pitcher. So just with those two pieces right there, what does this show about the Cardinals' future
1: moving forward? Well, I, you know, one of the things this offseason the Cardinals have done, they've acquired a right fielder that Piscati, uh, Stephan Piscati, didn't really do last year with the Cardinals. He, he's having troubles, family problems. His mom has MLS. So the Cardinals dealt him to the A's this offseason and opened up a right field. So therefore, our outfield now is stocked. We look at the infield. The infield is going to be centered around two players. One of those players is Paul DeYoung. Your shortstop is pretty much the captain of the infield. Then you look at behind the plate. You just inked a three-year deal, Yadier Molina, who's been gold. Oh, he's club. just incredible. He's insane. But the bad thing is, though, Yadier Molina's getting some age on Exactly. But the good thing, though, Carson, Carson Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, I was just right about to say behind. that. He's great. So he's he's ranked uh, the second overall catcher in the, in the minors right now. So if you get Carson Kelly and you get Alex Reyes coming up, your one-two punch, kind of so to say, those guys have been working together for five, six years in the minors. When they get to the majors, they've already got that chemistry. Great rapport, yeah. So if you just sign a new pitcher, they don't have that chemistry yet with the catcher. So you got to build that over time. So Carson Kelly will know Alex Reyes like the back of his hand.
0: Yeah, I think so, uh, just a side note for listeners here, Blake, uh, Rick Hahn actually looked at him, I believe it was in the middle of the season when they were trying to trade. If I'm correct, they were looking at the Cardinals as a trade candidate before the Cubs with Quintana. An interesting factor that he also looked, true story, at Carson Kelly before, uh, you know, just to help with that count. So just a little side note there. We're going to go into what Blake was just touching on here with us, the offseason moves. The one that stood out to me with the Cardinals was Marcelo Zuna. They were in the headlines, and I think they will still take a look at Manny Machado. So Blake, just... With their offseason moves, how can this Cardinals team try and compete with the rest of the NL Central in
1: 2018? Well, to be honest with you, it's kind of a money race, so to say, right now. The Chicago Cubs just keep pouring money in pitchers and players. Chris Bryant just gets a deal. Udawas gets a deal. But the Cardinals... They're playing it smart. So what they're doing, they just signed a, bill, a, a seven a, excuse me billion dollar deal TV deal about five years ago. that takes effect this year. So it means they have an extra that's money coming time in there, yeah. And then around St. Louis, they have apartments coming up, so like around Ballpark Village and stuff. That's more money coming into the Cardinals. So they're saving this year, even though they have Ozuna and right field. They have him for one more year after this year. Then they're going to go out and get a big piece. They almost talked about Josh Donaldson third baseman for the uh, Blue Jays. But they wanted too much from for just one season. The Cardinals don't want to rent for a season. They want to kind of rebuild at the same time as chase a championship. It's almost like a retool then. That's exactly right. And I think you look ahead, not this season, but next season, there's going to be a plethora of free agents, and the Cardinals are going to go after some big bats.
0: Yeah, I actually have a big prediction there with that. Blake, you were touching on some of their stock to outfield. But I think they're going to need a veteran with some of those youngsters. I think just it's really impressive to see what Mike Matheny has been able to do in there after Tony LaRusso left a former manager for the Sox and the Cardinals. Great piece there. But I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the Cardinals are going to have a lot of free agents available there. They have, I think, you know, Bryce Harper, Kershaw. I can see them looking at Kershaw. They have with Rainwright and Reyes. But uh, I can't wait to see what the Cardinals and the White Sox do. But the Cardinals, Blake, they will open against the Minnesota Twins tomorrow. That will be a 12:05 tip first pitch. Now going into the favorite segment here on Will's Fifth Quarter Special, it is Will's Sports Movie Moment. We all have our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself, my guest co-host, and the listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie and compare it to modern-day sports. Listeners can now hop onto the podcast Facebook and Twitter page and post their own sports movie moment favorites. Blake, I'm going to start off with it here this after this evening. I think something really connecting to this Redbird Men's Basketball Team. Now, a lot of fans might not see it. A lot of listeners might not understand it, but I'm going to try and do my best with it here. It's Glory Road. We were just talking about it before the show here. It's a <laughs> incredible movie by oh, Disney. Disney has a decent amount of sports movies there, so a lot for fans to check out. 2006. It's, it's a really great true story. It's Texas Western, now UTEP, and Don Haskins. He's a very famous coach there in college basketball. And it's the scene where he's developing this team. You know, he brings in... A lot of African-American players during the civil rights movement, it's undoubtedly a surprise move in the South that a team would do that. And the scene is how he's, it's the first practice, you know, they're getting ready and he's talking about the first line. It just stood out. I speak, you listen. I don't want to hear anything except the basketball bounce. He's laying down the law, but he he brings this team together. You know, at first this team is dysfunctional, but they're bringing it together. And, you know, they fit up those question marks and they pulled off what was known as the greatest upset in sports history and I want to connect this to a Redbird men's basketball team now they lost a lot of key key starters and most of that identity last year and it's just great credit to head coach Miller. I have the utmost respect for him what he's doing at Illinois State with this team they had a lot of new starters Elijah Clarence like you were touching on earlier there Taylor Berninga featuring pieces with Malik Yarbo first year on the team just up the line this Redbird team was pretty dysfunctional at the beginning of the year not what we were expecting to see after arch madness against Wichita State last year, and they're just bouncing back. I mean, they're a third seed. I was, I was not surprised, but I was hoping they would do just as great, and that's going to be my sports movie moment favorite. Uh, Movie that will hopefully inspire this Redbird men's basketball team, Dan Muller, and the fans for Arch Madness. What do you have for the set this yeah, evening, Blake?
1: And speaking of basketball, I think I, – well, I have two favorite movies. And I I don't know. I didn't ask you, but I'm going to use two if that's okay. No, of course. All, All right. right so. Actually, just pick your best one. Uh, So my best one, my favorite one – When I was growing up in youth basketball, which was uh, back back in the old days, I'll say that back in the not the early 1900s, no, not carving stones, but it was a long time ago. And uh, so when I was in, it was about fifth grade, roughly. And so we had a basketball practice once. And so my coach at the time, who was also my pastor at the church, he said, "We're going to practice no basketball today." We're kind of like, as you know, fifth graders, kind of like, what? Like, yeah, that's really interesting. Why are we practicing with no basketballs? Like, this is basketball. The basketball Exactly. Yeah. Um, but he said today we're gonna work on fundamentals without the ball, and that brings me to my favorite movie, and it's Hoosiers. Ooh, I like that one. There you go. My favorite scene is when the coach has practice without the balls. He locks it in the the, uh, the manager's closet, whatever you want to call it, the, basket, the equipment closet, and they practice for a week without the basketballs and learn the fundamentals of the game, and that's what needs to be preached to uh, children today.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Blake. There's a lot of tension, not just with children learning the sport, but how they go about it with the media. I know with social media, it's very growing with children, and I, I love that pick. I think that's not just inspiring for Athletes right now collegiate, but just the kids. It really speaks out there.
1: Yeah, it really speaks. And if you've never seen Hoosiers, give it a try. It's it's a fantastic movie. It's a little bit older. It takes place in Indiana, but I, uh, it's a classic. It Whoa, is a classic. C- it's like one of my old coworkers back home says, "Not too far from there, hit him
0: with a classic." So I hey, think that there just you go.
1: It hits the rice, icing on the cake right there. It is a fantastic movie.
0: That is all the time we have in episode eight of Will's fifth quarter special. Tune in next time as we will feature guest co-hosts Brian Farlow and Alex Dolinar, who will join in to help touch on the men's basketball and women's basketball conference tournament recaps, along with updated spring training coverage of the Cubs and White Sox, second half update for the Chicago Bulls, followed by Will's Sports Movie Moment. Reach out to us on Will's fifth quarter special Facebook page and on our website, contact me page at williamdfarlow.com. We are also on Snapchat at willfarlow44 and our Twitter page, williamdfarlow. You will see me and Nicholas Crespino also featured in a Facebook Live video pre-Arch Madness Friday night, so I look forward to seeing listeners checking that out as well. I want to thank our guest co-host Blake Haas for joining me well, in what was a fun 30 minutes talking sports, so thank you, Blake. Yeah, I appreciate it being here. Will's fifth quarter special would also like to personally thank Illinois State men's basketball SID, Bill Saylor and head coach Dan Muller for helping make that guest appearance possible in the first segment of Collegiate Sports Action. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds, turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk I'm your host, Will Farlow, my guest co-host, Blake Haas, and special guest, Dan Moeller, saying so long from Will's fifth quarter special.